I am a sinner who's probably going to sin again. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Things I don't understand. Sometimes I need to be alone. But other times I need to record a podcast with my brother about music we did and stuff. A, a nice bit of Kendrick Lamar to start the podcast. My Hello. name is Steve. Yes, my name is Steve, and the man in the background waving at you is my brother Giles. Hi, I'm Giles, and hello, and welcome to the podcast. If you've been here before, you know what this is. If you haven't, it's just us talking about music, mainly music that we recorded a long time ago, mm. and uh, we're going to listen to some songs and discuss them and talk about what it makes us think. Absolutely. And that's it. Yeah. Um, have we got any business to talk about before we start the main business? Like, I mean, you know, has anything mm. happened that we need to talk about? No. Since um, the last episode? The last episode being the one where we talk about the tape as it stands currently, the compilation yeah. tape, the mythical compilation tape that we are compiling. We haven't really moved on with that, but I'm very excited about are we, putting Are we it thinking together. about making it into a real thing? Is it not, not necessarily a physical thing? But it will definitely be available digitally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and th- and this is this is now the beginning. Oh, yeah. Of volume two. Volume two, because the first volume we worked out was enough to fill a C sixty cassette. So, yeah, we'll keep going until we've got another hour's worth. Yeah, that's and then the we'll idea. Do compilation, and then we'll keep going, and keep going, and keep going. Until we run out of tapes. I'd prefer to take it one episode at a time. Oof. But let's just let's just see how it goes. I think I think the fact that I think the fact is what's 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 worked quite well so far is we haven't really had any plan. Okay. Well, so let's, let's carry on with that. Let's forget the seem, plan. It seems to be working quite well. Mm. Right. So uh, today, Steve. We are going to listen to three Johnny Domino songs that most people in the world have not heard, but some people may have. A lot of the songs that we've talked about so far on the podcast have been songs that were recorded by me and you, Giles, uh, with occasional help from our friends. Now, around about summer 1996, we decided we were going to turn into a proper band. Now, that involved us working up some songs with Albert, who we've mentioned a lot of times on previous recordings, and Jim, who has appeared on the podcast with his voice. His disembodied voice has appeared on the podcast. And Mark. Yes, but not on this first recording. Not on the oh. first. Yes, the first couple of recordings don't involve Mark. So mm. the first one was me, you, Jim, and Albert, and we were rehearsing in Cable's practice space the bakery, which, if it was an actual bakery, would have been shut down on hygiene grounds. Yeah. I mean, would you say at this point, were, were we fairly intense young men? Well, it's hard to say because we did, at the same time as we were doing 
some of these recordings, we were recording joke songs as Jimmy Dorito, yeah. the alter ego band of Johnny Domino. Mm. So I think there's always been, this is incredibly pretentious, there was always two sides to us. We uh, were, can, what, the reason I ask yeah. is that I, my my abiding memory of Jim and Albert, they were, they were a little bit younger than me. Mm. I thought they were fairly intense. Nah. But also quite funny. Yeah, well, we used to go to the pub and play pool a lot. Mm. And we used to have a laugh with them. Yeah. yeah. And rehearsing was always good fun. Yeah. But we did record and write a lot of songs that were not much fun around about this time. When you say not much fun, you mean that they were quite serious? That's it, yeah. They were very serious-minded, yeah. But they were quite fun to play. Yeah. And, yeah, it's like it was like our version of thrash metal or industrial music or something yes <laughs> but we it, um we did have a lot of fun and around about this time well for the first few years of johnny domino as a band there was an idea that we were miserable and it used to really wind us up and this is around about the time when we started doing gigs and Sending tapes off and things like that. We're not miserable. No, no, not at all. But it used to really wind us up. Mm. But then if we listen to this next song. Yeah. You can sort of see why. Yes. And we've got a few recordings that we're going to play some bits of, right? Yeah. Okay, because this this is a song that was originally called Red Sonia, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Um, And the first recording of it, was um, in the practice room. Yeah. And you can sort of smell the damp and the cold. It does sound very good. In, in the yeah. recording. Mm. And uh, this has got Albert singing. And Albert, I think, wrote the lyrics. Or he certainly wrote most of the lyrics. Definitely banged a few of those early songs into shape, didn't he? Yes, he did. And it's I'm just playing the bass. And uh, you're on the guitar, Jim's on keyboards. Yeah, I think Albert's just singing. Yeah. Atmospheric, yeah, and you can hear us shouting the changes because we definitely uh, didn't yeah. really know what we were doing at this point. Yeah, but I want to listen to another version or another couple of versions as well. So let's save the listener from having to listen to too much Red Sonia. Now, you're on about the, the name of it, it's nothing yeah. to do with the film. Red Sonia, the 1985 adventure slash fantasy film starring Bridget Nielsen and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, it we, is. Yeah, but we knew someone called Sonia. No. There was a girl called Sonia that we used to see when we went to the funk nights in Darwin. Yeah, it's not see, about Sonia. No, but no, I didn't think it was about her. Mm. But why is it called Red Sonia then? I don't know. I think, well, I wrote the lyrics originally 
uh, or I started writing the lyrics originally about someone called Sonia that I met who had the audacity not to fancy me in the same degree that I fancied her. So that happens all the time, doesn't it? Right. Uh, But I didn't really finish the song. And then I get Albert Gold on my lyric book and he wrote most of the lines basically. And you can sort of tell it's the Albert lyric because, I mean, I don't think I would ever write, there's a line about dance de- people in a club dance decaying and rotting. No. And, and I, uh, that's a very Albert line, I think. And then Red Sonia, it was just one of the, it was it, it was a film that we probably had seen. I think it's the sort of film that Jim had probably quite liked, possibly. I've never um, seen the film. You've never seen it? Never seen the film. Ah, well, it's, it's pretty good. It's got Arnold in it. Yeah. Uh, and it's a Conan the Barbarian spin-off, basically. Right, right. And it's got some good scenes of <laughs> like really obvious um, fake heads flying through the air as, Son- as Sonia swishes her sword uh, around. She does some pretty good uh, sword play, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like dark fantasy. It's a bit like, you know, what's the, what's the other? There's other ones of that. Hawk the Slayer. Hawk the I know that was a, it was not the, not exactly the same, but we used to like Hawk the Slayer as well, didn't we? Do you remember? Hawk the Slayer was a terrible film, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. So yeah, it's not really about that, but it was originally about somebody called Sonia who had red hair. And anyway, it's, it's it became it became quite a heavy song mm. about some girl who's going through quite a difficult time. I think probably. <laughs> Okay. Um, shall we listen to the a, a version that it, uh, by this time Albert had stopped? He'd stopped playing with us. So um, he'd stopped it, playing. No, he still played with us. Yeah, but he took his ball back. He um, took his ball. No, back. he um, he he didn't want to do it anymore. He didn't want and to do the music. So uh, this recording is just me, you, and Jim. It's me singing, isn't it? It is. So he fills in the gaps when you speak, but he still maintains on the beat and it lays on his chest. I always find that really hard to sing. Very wordy. It, well, it's very, it's like, it's definitely it's Albert's vocal line because he's got a deeper voice than me. Yeah. And I think Albert took it up a level on the chorus yes he did and you know with a and I, could, I, more I, of an I found that a very odd sort of thing. yeah Is 
put it onto the next Yeah, version. I'm not sure if I can listen to three versions of this song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Man, um, what are we doing? Seriously, yeah. seriously. I do, you, that is this quick. is going to take some really good editing, yeah. isn't well, it? Well, you know, I'm, you, you, I'm it's a good job you're really talented. Thanks. <laughs> um, that, that's, that version is clearly not in your range, is it? It's really not in your range at all. Well, I don't. I found it a very odd song to sing. It's, rhythm, it's to... rhythmically precise, mm. which is again another Albert thing. He's very rhythmic lyric writer, and it rhymes. But not in, yeah. a, in not in a overly forced sort of way. Not no. to my ears, anyway. No, I didn't no. really like singing it. No. I was more comfortable just playing the bass on that one, mm. and I did like the bass line. Mm. Uh, and I think the on that version and on the on the last version, yeah, if we could listen to. Uh, I really quite like the bass on it, actually. Yeah, yeah. and I'm quite keen. I was quite keen on a certain type of bass playing, I think. Mm. And it was quite a conscious thing. Obviously, um, I really like Steve Hanley. Yeah. From from The Fall. That sound, yeah. Yeah. And it, I think that was kind of what I was going for, really. Mm-hmm. And obviously a bit of Kim Deal probably thrown in there as well. Yeah. That was definitely an influence. Yeah. I mean, I think at this time, I was basically writing the music and telling everyone what to play well no you did though i mean you did you did definitely write the music mm. but i think people kind of added their own um, oh god no, yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. to it you know what i mean yeah i don't, I don't think i don't think it was like i wasn't standing it wasn't over james you, brown sure that, situation no i wasn't standing over you saying well you've you've changed that bit yeah. or anything uh, but, you didn't um, dock our pay if you playing the wrong note yeah, then eventually Mark joined the band as keyboard player. I don't want to say utility player, but he did fill the gaps in when needed uh, on anything that needed gaps filling. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, played guitar, played keyboards. I think that's a good and brought his, He brought his beautiful collection of antique and vintage keyboards to us as well. He did. Actually, I think by that point, he didn't really have that many. But he then went out and bought loads of things. Yeah. So thank you, Mark, for spending all that money on your old keyboards. Yeah. And Mark was Mark was a kind of a um he was a less intense young man. He was way more chipper. He was chi- he brought a brought a, a welcome sense of chipperness to the mm. Johnny Domino uh, organization. Yes, we needed someone to kind of Lighten the mood a bit, yes, and um, th- and Mark definitely did that. I think that. he did that, yeah. Um, so on this recording, it is you on the bass, me on guitar, Mark on keyboards, the drum machine, and there's loads of extra bits and bobs that we added. And to say it's recorded on four track, it's a very full sounding recording, yeah. There's loads of little sounds, yes. Uh, beginning with a sample of Jim. Saying Red Sonia backwards. Mm-hmm. 
we got there in the end. Uh, that was the version from uh, the A Rabbit Themes album, the, the first album released by Johnny Domino on mm. Artist Against Success. A couple of things about that recording. There's a very wispy sort of like percussive sound on the drum track. And that was when I turned the MIDI lead round and got the drum machine to play the keyboards. We were very into, as we mentioned before, the B-52s. And on their album, Party Mix, there are lots of weird percussive sounds happening on different tracks. So we were trying to do that. So again, it's another B-52s reference. We recorded the bass and guitar at Dick's Farm, me and you, Mm -hmm. in different parts of the farm kitchen, Mm -hmm. which is very nice. Mm -hmm. It's like recording in Wales or something. Mm -hmm. And I think this might be the first recorded instance of a vocal style that we used on backing vocals, which I think we all called Steve in a box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's me shouting in the background on the choruses. Yeah, Steve in a box. The, um, the Do you think the B-52s, that sort of sound of the kind of the weird kind of percussive keyboards? Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think they used a similar method to create the sound, like by putting... No, they probably just did it with their hands. Oh, right, okay. So why didn't we do it with our hands? Because I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's just, I mean, because it does have that sound of the... Um, yeah. Is it like, is it, stu- is it a bit like the stuff on Whammy as well? Well, musically, it's very like, particularly the song Whammy Kiss yeah. from that album, which is very, I mean, that's a, if you can refer to something as being a key text mm. in the Johnny Domino folklore, mm. then that song yeah. is one of them. I love the B-52s. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's like, we didn't have the we didn't have the kind of camp cheerfulness of the B fifty twos. Oh no! But we were taking s- sort of some of the musical references, definitely. Yeah, I was listening to um, the lyrics on that, and I just had the revelation that mm. it has a, a very very similar lyrical theme to the song "18" by Ed Sheeran. We're plowing the same furrow. Wow, no, I've never heard that song. Go and check it. Go and check okay, it out. I will do. Did you think that Ed Sheeran would ever get a mention on this podcast? I think it it was only it's only a matter of time. Yeah, especially when we start talking about using a loop pedal. No, we never used a loop pedal. No, didn't do that yet. I remember, in particular, one gig that we did, and that was in May nineteen ninety eight. And it was a pl- at a place called the Malt and Hops in Stafford. Can you remember that place? Because I, in my head, it's in the middle. It was in the middle of a roundabout. Yeah, it was yeah. like a country pub, really. But it was I in remember, the middle of. But it, I seem to remember it was in the middle of. Was it a city, or or like a, a big a, town, a, a small market town, small market town? Yeah, and um, we got that gig because we'd done some gigs with the surf creatures. Oh yeah. Remember the surf creatures, Andy, it was Andy from the surf creatures and he was very nice and liked us and they should have been doing the gig and he, they couldn't do it. So he recommended us to take the place of the support and we were supporting a band called Servatron. Oh, they were a good band. Now, were they the same members of man or Astro man or was it some members of man? I don't know what the link is between the two, but they were definitely affiliated with them. But they were a cool sort of surf band 
who dressed as robots. They were so amazingly nice. Mm. They were such lovely, lovely people. And we had a good chat with them and talked about, they were from Athens, Georgia. So we talked a lot about uh, the B-52s, obviously. And they talked a lot about Devo. Mm. Um, and they were just really sound people. I think it was it was my first realisation of like how American bands generally are so much better. Yeah, they're amazing. Than uh, British bands because they just tend to work harder and yeah. play more. I, I remember there's a story, I think it's, it's Ivo from 4AD. He's somebody asked him what's the difference between British bands and American bands. And he said, if an American artist walks into a room and there's a guitar, they're going to pick it up and play mm-hmm. it. If a British band walks into a room and there's a guitar, they will look everywhere else in that room other than at the guitar. Wow. That was how he described the difference between American and British bands. Yeah. But then he signed Lush, so there you go. Well, there is that. But um, I don't think he was right all the time, the Wolfgang Press in particular. Mm. Yeah, they were just very nice, very chatty, had a lot of time for us. They listened to our sound check and said incredibly complimentary things. And then at some point in the evening, they disappeared and changed into homemade robot costumes. And then from that point on, they didn't let the mask drop. Mm. You know, they were in character for the rest of the night as robots and they were brilliant the way they talked to the audience and they were they weren't being heckled uh like light-hearted heckling and they would answer in character just non-stop they were so tight and i remember that mark's i think his was it his korg ms10 his keyboard Mm. they gave him a sticker which said something about member of the servitron robotic alliance and i'm pretty sure it's still on there yeah, no, they were they were great. That was a it, good gig. It was a great gig. It was packed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great crowd. It was a really great yeah, crowd. Really good yeah. gig. And we had a chippy tea. Oh. After our yeah, sound check, we went and had a chippy tea, and it was pretty good chips as well. Good memories. Mmm. Okay. Where are we going to go next? Uh, well, the next song has got a couple of different song titles. At this time, we'd released... Had we released Rabbit Themes? Jim was working in a record shop in Derby, which at that point I think was called Way Ahead. And then it turned into, at some point after that, it was called Reveal. But it was run by a guy called Tom. And he used to manage Way Ahead in Nottingham as well, but he moved into Derby. And Jim was working there. So when we put out Rabbit Themes ourselves before Artists Against Success put it out, they stocked it in the shop. and. Tom had the idea he wanted to start a record label and his first single was going to be us and a local band called Stairwell, split single. And we were writing this song and Tom was doing the artwork and he said, oh, what's the song called? We didn't have a title for it at this point. And Jim said, the O-Chimpy Underground. So that's what the song was called on the single. Yeah. I seem to remember when he told us that we were a bit like, what what does that mean? Mm. Did he tell you what it meant? Don't think we ever found out. I don't think it meant anything. Yeah. So what what year was this? This was in 1998. So 1998, I think, well, certainly Jim 
and I yeah. were both spending quite a lot of time playing on the Nintendo 64. Okay. And one of the best games on the Nintendo 64 at the time was a, a game called Banjo-Kazooie. Did you ever play it? I don't think I did. Banjo-Kazooie. And it was about a bear who had a parrot, I think, on his back. Right. And they, you would run around controlling the bear and the parrot. And it was like one of the first kind of like world 3D platform type games. And okay. it was massive and spent many, many hours completing this game. And I know Jim did as well. And there is a level on it. And it basically, a kind of, I think it's a jungle. I can't remember. Mm. And there's a little character called Chimpy. Oh. Chimpy is a small monkey found in Mumbo's Mountain. And he sits on a small stump near Conga's tree and wants an orange from Banjo and Kazooie. That's amazing. I think it's too much of a coincidence that we were playing Banjo Kazooie and there's a character called Chimpy in, in it and it's at the same year. Chimpy the Chimp. So I think it's Chimpy from Banjo Kazooie. Oh my god. I don't god. know what the underground's got to do with it. Once Banjo and Kazooie bring the orange back to Chimpy, Chimpy runs off and leaves a jiggy for the bear and bird. Yeah, that's it. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah. Yeah, I know what a jiggy is. Okay. Yeah. The stump also rises higher to allow Banjo and Kazooie to jump up onto the upper area to learn a skill, fight Conga, and even press a grunty switch. Yeah. Amazing. God, it was a good game. It was really frustrating, though, at times. There was a level on it called Clanker's Cavern that <laughs> nearly it nearly killed me I, I still remember the frustration of playing it and yeah. I, devote, I devoted many days many days trying to complete this level uh, anyway there you go right. so the Ochimpy Underground has nothing to do with that but I think that's what the title comes from excellent it's good to know yeah and the song I wrote the lyrics I think the lyrics are mostly about feeling quite disassociated from your surroundings uh, which is nothing to do with playing too much computer games no and the music was written by you i think yeah yeah it was this was one of the last songs we recorded on a four track yeah it's one that we used to play a lot live it was mm. one of our standards that we, was in our set yeah really and um we played it for quite a few years yeah. so shall we have a listen to it Okay, so this is the single version. singing backing vocals isn't it on the chorus yeah yeah 
No, no Stevie in a box on that one. No. I want to get onto the other version of it, really. Yeah, it's quite a low key version. Well, it's good. It's, yeah, I mean, musically, I like it. But mm. as we'll hear on the next version, we kind of turned it up a notch a little bit. Well, Jim certainly did with his lyrics yes. and gave it a bit more on the version that was put onto the Charlie Domino oh, second album, album mm. Players. But yeah, I think that was that was a, I think it was all right, and it was uh, that was the version that was on the, the split single, uh, and yeah. I can't remember what the song by Stairwell Hollow Heel sounds mm. like. Can you remind me the other song on the seven inch one? I can't remember either. They were a nice bunch of lads. They were keyboard. They were the keyboard driven? They were, were piano driven. I mean, they were quite a serious emotional kind of band i think they were very into jeff buckley oh you know what does that just come back to you were they a bit like keen i didn't want to use that word but when you think about piano driven emotional rock from the late 90s early noughties you think of keen yeah i'm not keen oh see what i did there see what i did there that's the kind of quality that we expect so this is the album version. By this point, it was there was no The Underground on it. It was just called Oh Chimpy, mm. which obviously makes a lot more sense. And pay attention to the very tricksy little bit of rhythmic subterfuge that happens rhythmic in the Rhythmic ambiguity. You've talked about it before. Yeah, I've, I lost the word. But yes, <laughs> rhythmic ambiguity, because it starts off sounding one way, but then it changes gear. And I remember we were very, very pleased with ourselves when we figured out how to do that.
That was Ochippi by Johnny Domino from mm. their most concise album, as is billed on the Bandcamp page. Somebody wrote that. I think that was probably me. Mm. It, well, it is. You know, the rest of them are all quite hefty. You couldn't fit them on one side of a C90. No. That's one you could fit on one side of a C90 and probably have enough room for another two songs. Yeah, good. Which is, I think, is always a good length for an album. I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, it's got some good artwork, that album. Certainly has. Uh, even though I say so myself. No, it's got some good stuff. There's a good picture of Daryl on the in, inside of oh. the CD booklet. Our cousin. Daryl, our cousin. Our da- yes, playing the guitar or holding a He's guitar. holding a guitar. Holding a guitar. And I'm quite pleased with my drawing of a discourse. Yes. As in... A DJing horse. Well, it's like a disc, you get a disc jockey. You get a disc jockey and that's a disc horse. That's a disc horse. And I seem to remember we talked a lot at the time about the album being a discourse. Oh, A discourse on contemporary society. Oh, my God. And uh, only as a tongue-in-cheek sort of way. We weren't serious about it being a discourse. Do you think we were a little bit too heady, perhaps? No, I think our problem was we had lots of little jokes that Mm. no one got. Yeah. Things that we'll probably talk about in the future where we did lots of things that we thought were absolutely hilarious and no one thought it was a joke. Mm. Probably because we delivered <laughs> it in such a morose, <laughs> grumpyish well, sort of way. I think the next song that we're going to listen to or the next piece of music we're going to listen to is a clear example of that. I think possibly. Can I just say one more thing about Ochimpy? Yeah. The, the weird noises, it's not very interesting. I was just going to talk about putting the guitar through Mark's keyboard, but it's not very interesting. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> what? Right. Are you? Yeah, it's not very interesting. No one cares okay. about the technical stuff. I don't know. Some people mm. might. Yeah, so I'm playing my guitar, but the lead is going through Mark's Korg MS-10, I think. It creates all those wispy, floaty noises. Now, some people might think that is a boring thing mm. to talk about, but I don't because it makes me think of Deirdre from Rock School. Deirdre Cartwright from Rock School. And weirdly enough, I think there's something of Henry about your bass playing on that track as well. Yes. It's yes. kind of the funky. Remember when you, you, he taught us all about, he taught us all about playing funk bass and slap bass. He did. Possibly we he need did. to talk about what Rock School was. It was an educational program about how to be a rock star. In a band, or in a rock band. Well, it, according to Wikipedia, it, it explored the history of rock music and gave instruction in popular performance techniques. It was public service broadcasting at its best. Absolutely, yes. In the, ni- in the late 1980s, I think, was it? 1983. Oh, early 1980s. Yeah, we used to watch it. All the time. Um, I think the first series was in 1983, and then it came back, certainly in the UK, it came back in 1987, according to Wikipedia. But the band consisted in the first series of Deirdre Cartwright on guitar, Henry Thomas on bass, and Jeff Nichols on drums. Jeff was quite dour, wasn't he? He was a little, but he was a drummer. He was a drummer. He was a pretty typical drummer. Yeah, and then in the second series, they brought in... Alistair Gavin, who was a specky keyboard player, (laughs) 
He had all the best synths around him. He did. Yeah, yeah. It was great. But Deirdre was my favourite. And she did, I'm sure she did do a bit where she put a a guitar through a synthesiser. And that's what you were doing. So I'm looking at Wikipedia. There's an episode guide. Here we go. So new technology might have been episode 10. Maybe I'm looking wrong. Because they, they did it in America with Herbie Hancock presenting it. Now that's, wow, that kind of knocks, with all respect, that kind of knocks Henry, Deirdre and Jeff out of the water, doesn't it really? Yeah, but I think it would be too good. Yeah. I think the original is best. intimidating, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you know. Mm. It's like the American version of The Office. It's not as good. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so that is Chimpy and a long and rambling conversation about rock school. And people of a certain age will know what the hell we're talking about. And if you don't, mm. Google it. Or you know what? We'll put some links at the on the show notes. Yes, we will. Check them out. Check them the out. We, all, we always do good links on the show notes. So if you don't look at them, you should look at them. Yes. Because there's always, there's always good links. And on the blog that accompanies the podcast, all those uh, video materials are embedded in the pages. So you can just watch them all in one convenient place. Mm. Shall mm. we Shall we finish off the episode yes, with, with, an, with an, another in-joke from the Johnny Domino world? Yes. Now this, um, the first recording, when did it come from? I can't find it. I think it was actually from 1994, the first version. And I don't know if I recorded this on my own or not. But um, it's called Kung Fu Love Theme. Thank you. 
Now, this is probably an example of something we talked about in the past where I would record a piece of music just because I thought it was funny. That used to make us cry with laughter, that one. <laughs> I remember sitting in, in the room doing, you know, with headphones on mm. and people just crying with laughter with that yeah. one. Is it the dogs when the, when the recording of the dogs barking? God no. knows, I'd have no idea where that recording came from. I think it's the keyboard part. Is it the the synth keyboard part, the strings? Yeah, it's the strings. Or is it the, the Casio CZ3000 Typhoon sound, one of the presets, which is rumbling in the background as well, Yeah, making it all windswept? God, we did think that was hilarious, didn't we? It was a love theme from a kung fu movie. Hmm. With the dog barking. We've mentioned in the past the, the band Ween, everyone's favourite arch stoner pranksters. Yeah. And that, just like the juxtaposition of this moving theme tune with a recording of dogs barking, mm. is very Ween. I mean, we thought it was so funny that when we were recording our first album, Rabbit Themes, we recorded another version of it. We did. Which we're not going to listen to again, are we? <laughs> there are better keyboard sounds on this version. Mm. We're using Mark's keyboards, not our crappy Casio synth. Let's leave it at that. But yes, so there you go. They are our three songs for possible inclusion on the mythical Best of Johnny Domino mixtape, Volume 2. Mm. So we have... Right, Sonia. I'm going to have to concentrate. Yeah. I need to concentrate now. Okay, can I just list the songs for yes. the benefit of the audience who may have lost the will to live by this point? Okay. It includes Sonia... And I think for inclusion, we're talking about the the version from Rabbit Themes. Yeah. We have Ochimpy from our second album, Players, and Kung Fu Love Theme. Right. Okay. This is where we're meant to have a debate. Yes. Uh, about which one's going to go on volume two of the best of Johnny Domino. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious which one's the best. I, I, you say that. It's really not. It's really not obvious. I was joking. I don't think it's obvious. Oh, right, okay. I thought, you, I thought you'd be sincere. No. Right, I've got very good memories of playing <sighs> Chimpy and Sonia live. I do love the story about us playing in the middle of a roundabout in Stafford in a really very traditional pub, and we're supporting a, a band made up entirely of robots homemade robot costumes so that's that's a good story chimpy is as you said it was probably one of our longest serving songs in johnny domino because mm. we played it live pretty much to to the end of our live performance time yeah. and and i'd forgotten how much we loved laughing at kung fu love theme and part of me just really loves the idea 
of including Kung Fu Love Theme on the compilation because it's potentially the first track. Cool, yeah. You know what I mean? But I also I also quite like the idea of upsetting the people who listen to this podcast that know our work because I know that amongst them, certainly amongst my friends who like our stuff, Players is their favourite album, Biles. Mm. Well, I don't know, Steve. I mean, I think Sonia was a good song, but it goes on a bit. It's a bit dour. Chimpy's a bit more fun. Mm. Can we not include Chimpy and Kung Fu Love Song? <laughs> Please. Okay. okay. Yes. I think that's I think that's a good compromise because Chimpy, as I say, it was a, definitely more fun than Sonia. I really have good memories of playing Sonia live, but it's not much fun to listen to. Yeah. And Chimpy. I think it was a re- pretty representative of the Johnny Domino sound at that time. Yeah. And Kung Fu Love Scene is fairly representative of the Johnny Domino humour. Mindset. That was there. Because we were we were fairly intense young men, but we we also had a bit of a laugh. We did try to have a bit of a laugh. We did have a bit of a laugh. Nobody was laughing with us, but we had a laugh. No, that's, that's not the point. We weren't trying to be comedians. Yeah. We were just amusing ourselves. Okay, so we're going to have... As we both. said last episode, the people don't have to listen. It's true. <laughs> so we've gone for Chimpy and Kung Fu Love Theme. Can I say it's the first version of Kung Fu Love Theme? Yeah. One with the dogs. Yeah, the dogs. Because that makes it, it's possibly slightly more obvious that it's a joke. Mm. Good. There you go. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, before you fin- oh. before we finish, we have a new section. Hey. And the new section today is country music. Yes. Country music that's about now, that's around uh-huh. now, Needs to go. Needs to get in the needs bin. Needs to go. Are um, you talking about right wing? Yes. Try burning the flag yes. in this town, sort of thing. It yeah, needs yeah, to yeah. go. For twenty twenty four, we need to go yeah. back. We need to go back. And um, one of my current fave songs, uh-huh. is a song by Lefty Frizzell. And it's a song he wrote in 1963 called Saginaw, Michigan. Right? And I urge you all to go and find this song and listen to it. Okay. It was his his sixth and final number one on the Mm. US country chart. And it's a song sung from the point of view of a working-class son of a fisherman from the titular city who falls in love with the daughter of a much richer man, and the rich man does not believe the singer is worthy of his daughter. Okay. Then, as it's a story song, you see. And I love a story song. The singer travels north to Alaska in the hope of finding gold, and when there is no gold, the singer concocts a ruse. Okay. Which I'm not going to tell you about, because you need Don't to listen to the, the song, and then you'll find out yeah. what the ruse is. I really like this song, and it was introduced to me by um, well, by my kind of father-in-law, Tracy's dad, uh, on uh-huh. on Christmas Day. Actually, oh, it's a Christmas present. Yeah, it was a Christmas. It was his Christmas present to me, and it was the best Christmas present I got. Uh, this song, uh, he prefers the version by Bobby Bear. 
which was a few years later. But I like this version best. All I'm going to say is listen to it and enjoy the recurring rhymes because the thing, the key feature of the song is the way that Lefty Frizzell, as a good country singer, there's lots of good rhymes in this. Okay. Right? And he rhymes Michigan with Fisherman. Excellent. Rich and then, and richer man, and Uh ambitious man, Uh and finally, missing him, which is a bit of a power rhyme, but it works. So he doesn't try and rhyme Saginaw? No, Michigan. He's just Saginaw, Michigan. Okay. There you go. So it's the rhyming. It's the rhyming. And we need to get more back into rhyming country singers. But I agree with what you're saying about the contemporary country is giving country music a bad name. Yeah, it is. And country music is not ostensibly racist. You know what I mean? It's not reactionary. It was the music of the working class and the underclass. It was basically, it's the white blues at its root. And all of this kind of my flag, yeah. my mom, my hometown shit yeah. is giving it a bad name. It really is. And, yeah. and Saginaw, Michigan by Lefty Frizzell is a great example of a song which is about somebody who's seen as being, you know, the at the, bo- bottom, at the of bottom of the rung, yeah, yeah? Who's, yeah. who's kind of getting one over the man. And that's Good. where we should be going with country music, people. Yes. So get writing. Get writing some songs. You're getting a hard agree from me on that. Okay. That's the end of my section today. Beautiful. Country music. Save it. Save it. We need to save country music. Save country music. (laughs) Yes, again, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you are enjoying it, if you are on a platform which allows you to rate and review, please do so. And also pass it on to at least one other person who may be interested in the kind of guff that we are putting out. Guff. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with more rock school indebted <laughs> rememberings. We will. we will. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, John. And uh, what song are you going to put at the end of this one? <laughs>